When we think of successful people, astronauts are often pretty high on the list. Chris Hatfield flew on two space shuttles and commanded the International Space Station. He's here today to share wisdom from his success that will help all of us right here on Earth. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 149. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership, the people side of organizations, and helping you to be more successful through the development of others in your organization. And I am so glad that you have joined me again for today's show. And I have to admit, I'm a little bit giddy today. And that's because I have the pleasure of introducing uh, someone that I know not only is going to give us a great perspective on human effectiveness, but also who is an astronaut. And uh, when I was growing up, the space shuttle program here in the States was just getting started. And like many young kids of that era, I was very enamored with the program, wanted to be an astronaut, and always thought astronauts were the coolest people on the planet and and in space. And that's why I'm so glad to be able to welcome Chris Hatfield here to the show today, because I know in addition to his experience as an astronaut, he has done a lot of thinking on human effectiveness and how we can be, uh, we can learn lessons from uh, the success of really challenging ourselves to be as effective as possible. Chris Hatfield flew on two space shuttles and in late 2012 began a six-month stint aboard the International Space Station as its commander. He chronicled work and life aboard the space station on social media during his mission, attracting more than a million followers back here on Earth. He's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth, What Going to Space Taught Me About Ingenuity, Determination, and Being Prepared for Anything. Chris, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you very much, Dave. I'm really pleased to be talking with you. Well, I'm so thrilled to be able to connect with you today. And I most recently had seen you online because you had uh, you've put out a TED Talk about the distinction between fear and danger. And I was struck when watching your TED Talk, not only by the content of what you talked about, and we'll link to it in the show notes, but also with your presence on stage and your musical talent as well. And astronauts are often branded as people who are these superhuman, amazing achievers. And I'm wondering, is the pursuit of excellence just ingrained into your DNA, or are there consistent practices that you have in your work and life that help you to achieve excellence? Hey, Dave, I'm, I'm glad you saw that TED Talk. It, it was really interesting to try and pick out the difference between actual danger and perceived fear. Because so many people in life, maybe without even acknowledging it to themselves, let fear dictate a lot of their decision-making. And it's an easy thing to do without, without even thinking. And if you can instead say, you know, uh, what is the actual danger that's involved here? What is, the, what is the real risk at the core of all this that I'm allowing fear to then change my behavior? 
And is there any way that I can avoid that true danger or is there any way to prepare for it so that then rather than just uh, not doing something or ignoring something or shying away from something through my whole life, instead, maybe I could start to do some of those things if I can just figure out what the actual danger is and get myself ready to face it. And uh, it's the only way that we can ride rocket ships or, or uh, command a spaceship or, or do a spacewalk like I've done. But it applies to everything. If, if you can look at why, what, what is it I'm afraid of? What is the actual danger I'm facing versus just my own uh, discomfort? Um, and, and then see uh, what you can include in your life as a result. And, and so it was fun to put that talk together for Ted. It made me uh, sort of coalesce a whole bunch of vague thinking into an 18-minute talk, and, uh, and I'm, I'm really pleased uh, with, uh, with the result and the millions of people have, have gone online and had a look at it. Speaking of danger, a lot of us have heard the term, don't sweat the small stuff. And you say in your book that we should sweat the small stuff and maybe even visualize failure. And I see how that's important as an astronaut. Um, but how do everyday leaders find that balance between sweating the small stuff and caring about the details while not micromanaging everything? Yeah, I think that's a, a really uh, sort of critical stretch of quicksand to be learn how to get through. And uh, here's, here's how I look at it. Number one, the key thing to have is a long-term goal. And, and when I say that, I mean, if everything went perfectly, how would this go? You know, and you can figure that out in your own mind as the leader. Okay, if this week, this month, this year, this decade, if everything goes perfectly, which of course it won't, but if everything goes perfectly, this is where uh, we can get to. You know, this is our objective. And have that then um, clearly understood by everybody that's involved. If everything goes right, this is our definition of perfection. This is where we're heading. But then, of course, recognize that things go wrong. Guaranteed, thing, things will go wrong. So don't just um, visualize success because to me, that's the easy part and it, it's, the, it's the pablum part and, and it's the non-productive part. Give yourself a long-term goal, but acknowledge that that is, is a perfection and what you really are going to have to do is visualize failure. And of course, if you just visualize failure, you'll just be depressed all the time. The key is to... Right. Um, Visualize failure um, when, when the failure has not yet happened. Say, mm -hmm. okay, so this is where we're all trying to get to. Everybody agree? That's our goal. Now, what is the most probable thing to go wrong? What's the most likely thing or the most likely 10 things that are going to go wrong? And today or, or this afternoon, while we have a little bit of free time and, and the problems haven't arrived yet, let's simulate them as accurately as we can and figure out how we're going to react to them with everything that we know right now. So let's all sit around a table or sit in the normal places where you deal with it. You know, in our case, it would be in, in a simulator. And someone comes in and says, okay, this just happened. Go. And people react uh, the way that they would based on what they know. And they interact and they, and they learn from each other and they see the problem through other people's eyes and you talk your way through it and you react and then maybe throw in a couple other likely variable things to happen as it goes along and work your way right completely through the whole problem. Take it right to its very end and not just 
not just the initial reaction, but the repercussions of it. How does it affect PR? How does it affect product? How does it affect everything? And take it right to its conclusion and then go, wow, we have some real holes in our technical understanding or our ability to react or, or our, our support systems or whatever. We, we, we didn't do that very well. And take the lessons learned and roll it back into your business. Okay, we need to educate people more. We need to give people better skills. We need to give people better tools to react. And then run the simulation again. And then run it again. Until not only have you figured out a plan, but you can change people's behavior. You know, rather than just panicking or, or doing your gut reaction, by practicing it a few times when the stakes are, are not high, you can fundamentally change people's reaction and behavior and that is the real difference between danger and fear and between uh, visualizing success and visualizing failure. And, and the key is to do it early when you have time and build up uh, a more and greater capacity for your team to face the things that are liable to happen. And, uh, and then what, if things don't happen, it's not critical because you have a better prepared team, a more confident team. And if things do happen, then you're not just relying on luck and gut instinct. And it's the uh, only way that we can be successful in space flight. And, and I think it's also useful for, um, for everything, uh, especially people where other people are counting on them, where, where there are stakes of, uh, of cost and complexity or even human lives. You mentioned something else in the book that I think is counterintuitive to what a lot of us have been taught in organizational life and in business, you give the advice that uh, we should avoid showing up and instantly trying to add value uh, in a group or a team, but instead to aim to be a zero. Um, tell me more about this and why you see that as a valuable approach. You know, my natural reaction as a young man, uh, I was a, uh, a fighter pilot and a downhill skier. And my natural self-image and reaction was that I can come into a situation, make quick judgments, and do good things, have a positive impact, uh, come in and start changing stuff right away because I'm smart, I'm capable, and, uh, and, and I'm confident, and so I'm just going to change stuff. And uh, I started watching that behavior in other people over the years. And I worked a, a lot of different jobs as, as a test pilot where the stakes were very high. And then several years as an astronaut and working my way up through the leadership of NASA until I was uh, director of operations in Russia. And almost invariably, when someone came in with that attitude of, hey, uh, you know, I, I'm not a zero. I'm a plus one. I can come into this situation and make decisions that are going to have a positive impact. Almost invariably, that person missed the point. They missed the subtleties that are so critical. They didn't have the actual uh, perception of the variables that mattered. And almost invariably, they would come in saying, I'm a plus one, I'm going to change some things, when everybody around them would go, that's a minus one. Mm. And so I started deliberately targeting myself to say, okay, when I'm coming into a new situation, I'm going to aim to be a zero. And it sounds you know, kind of uh, non-intuitive, but I'm deliberately going to aim to be a zero. I am going to come in and try and soak up enough of what's going on, try and be aware enough and subtle enough to really hear and see the interplay of what's happening. And then only after that period, 
start trying to make uh, suggestions and changes that, that allow myself to move into the position of being a plus one. And of course, if the building's on fire, you don't have time for that. You have to come in and just start doing things. But the building isn't normally on fire. Sometimes you think it is, but really it isn't. And and the key then is to recognize uh, the necessity to become educated, the necessity to understand the subtleties of the environment, and and not just come in uh, like some sort of uh, spring-loaded noisemaker that uh, that then just causes a, a ruckus, and then, and then you leave much more of a mess than you originally arrived in. Hmm. And and I just titled it in the book. Uh, aim to be a zero because it's uh, it's a little easier to remember that way. But I think the fundamental precept of it will make for both an effective team member, but also a, a more effective leader if you give yourself time. I love that. And it, it does seem like a real trap for successful, smart people of walking in and feeling like they can add value right away. And I love that perspective you give of of aiming to be a zero. On the darker side of success, perhaps, one thing that's not often talked about is many people who have amazing professional achievements tend to struggle with what's termed work-life balance, and in particular, commitments to their personal relationships. I know people in our community struggle with this, and um, from what I've read about astronauts, this is a big struggle for a lot of people in your line of work, too. But by all accounts, you seem to have found a real balance point here. Uh, in fact, I've seen online a lot of your family and relationships uh, you know, featured. Uh, I'm wondering how you've made career success work with friends and family. I, I, by, by, by no means have I done that perfectly. I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. It is an extremely difficult balance to draw between uh, trying to be successful at work, trying, trying to truly be innovative and devoted and complete at work so that you can succeed in the things that are important to you. But at the same time, um, trying to have a personal life and a private life that is successful and, um, and balanced and sustainable. And I don't get it right most of the time. I'm, I'm constantly fine-tuning that balance to try and do it right. But, but here's, here's my observation. Number one is um, clearly understand uh, amongst all the people in your family, what it is that people are trying to accomplish. You know, what are you up to? What are your objectives? And, and therefore, I can give you the allowance of time and energy and focus and, and um, selfishness that you can be working on those things for your own aims. And that's fine. The other is to, um, to make nobody's sense of self-worth dependent on someone else's. My wife would never, at, at first blush, introduce herself as an astronaut's wife. That's not her self-image. Mm. Um, I wouldn't introduce myself as a chef's husband. You know, it's just, it's not how we identify ourselves. We both have our own interests, our own focus, our own careers, and we're supportive of each other's. And, and always looking, when, when one of us says, hey, you know, I'd really like to, whatever, I'd like to pursue a law degree for a while. My wife is really interested in that. And I thought, that's a great idea. Expand your mind, learn stuff you don't know. It's an area you're interested in. See how it goes. And she, she studied law for a full year and then looked at it and went, you know, it turns out this is not what I thought it would be, but I've learned a lot from it. I've learned something about myself. I've developed some skills. I'm not going to take it any further, but I, uh, it's it's been an interesting process. 
And for me, it was just win-win. Um, she was doing something interesting to her that was developing and increasing her skills. Um, I was doing the same thing in the areas that I was interested in, sort of in, in parallel or, or whatever, two draft animals pulling the same wagon or whatever. And and to try and, and support your family that way, I think, uh, is something worth keeping in mind. But it'll never be perfect. And, and something that occurred to me a long time ago was uh, the good intentions of the day are almost always sacrificed on the altar of reality. And you have to just accept it. Okay, we didn't get it perfect today. Yeah. Let's just start again tomorrow morning and look for opportunities to uh, to make it work as much as possible. Um, but if you are unhappy with at work, if, if you are not getting enough done there, that you're frustrated and unsuccessful there, that's going to roll home regardless. And even though you may get more time at home, is it truly going to be better time at home or more content? And even if you have a pure nine to five job, that's no guarantee of, of uh, interpersonal relationship or parental success either. So it's a constant battle, but I think mutual support and understanding is probably uh, as important a key as any. It would seem that flying into space is a career achievement that's pretty impossible to beat. There's a number of people in the Coaching for Leaders community who are seasoned leaders and have had great career success already. And I think sometimes struggle with the what's next question in their own careers. And as someone who's recently announced your retirement as an astronaut, I'm I'm wondering if you've struggled with this, Chris, and either way, what advice you have for those who've had great success doing something and are now wondering what's next for them? You know, Dave, I think that I, I really have not had a lot of struggle with that. And I think the reason uh, is maybe the difference of perception between how it looks from the inside, the life of an astronaut versus how they look uh, to other people. Uh, I served as an astronaut for 21 years and I only flew in space for six months. So that meant my actual life as an astronaut was 20 and a half years working on Earth and only six months of the glorious publicly visible part in space. And if I had ever said to myself that I, the only part about this job that, it, that I like or that is worthwhile or that is satisfying is space flight, then I would have hated my life by definition. You know, it would have been unsustainable. And, and so something I, I learned a long time ago was you have to allow yourself to succeed every single day. Don't just say, my measure of success is space flight and everything else is just a, a, you know, a, a dogged workup of, of, of personal slave labor in order to try to get myself to the point where, where I can get to something that I actually like. Instead, tur- turn that completely around and say, someday my ultimate goal, if everything works perfectly, is I'm going to, whatever, I'm going to walk on the moon. But what really matters is what I'm doing today. That is my actual life. And how am I achieving success today? What are the good points of today? What did I learn? What did I accomplish? What made me laugh? What made me smile? What, what made me snort? You know, <laughs> what, what was good about today? And finish every single day thinking, I succeeded today. I, I, you know, I made some mistakes, but I learned some things. And today was a, was a good day in pursuit of my long-term dreams. And my, my dream that was to walk on the moon, and I still haven't done it, so I could easily view myself as a failure if, if I'd allowed that to be my criteria, but I never did. I, I always 
said, these are the tasks, these are my skills, I'm going to try and improve myself and become slightly better at things so that I can enjoy what I'm doing more and more. And uh, later today, I'm hoping to put some davits on my dock to be able to suspend a kayak that I have using some of those mooring whips. And to me, that's a really interesting challenge. I'm going to have to figure out some problems and solve it with the parts that I have and make it work for the wind and the weather. And, and by the end of the day, I'm hoping to have used the skills I have and learn a few things and solve a problem and make things slightly better. And to me, that's a, that's a really successful win of a day. And I've also had a chance to command a spaceship. So, so I don't view that as the only measure of my life, nor as some sort of big pinnacle and everything else pales in comparison. It's just one of the amazing things that has happened that, that has allowed me to be who I am today and, and given me the opportunity to do stuff in the future. I think it's just a matter of balance and keeping things in the right perspective. Chris, speaking of perspective, I really appreciate your thoughts and challenging us to think about things from a different perspective than we often hear. And I know your thoughts here today will be really valuable to our community. And I hope folks uh, check out the book. So thank you so much for your time and coming on the show. Thanks so much, Dave. And I wrote the book uh, to be useful. That was really my intent. I thought the exaggerated life that allows us to be successful as astronauts is, is almost like looking uh, at things through a microscope or a telescope. Exaggerate things, and then maybe you can see some some things a little more clearly. And and writing the book was just I was just trying to encapsulate the things that we do as astronauts that might be useful to other people. So I, I hope uh, some of the folks listening will find the book useful. That, that was my whole intent, and, and it's been really nice talking to you. Chris Hatfield is the author of the New York Times bestseller, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. What Going to Space Taught Me About Ingenuity, Determination, and Being Prepared for Anything, and apparently he knows a little bit about kayaks as well, too. Hey, Chris, thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Nice talking with you. After recording an interview with someone, I often will reflect back on it and think, what's the one thing that I'm taking away from this message? And I'm really struck by what Chris said to the last question of the importance of defining success and visualizing success long-term, of course, but that what really matters is what I'm doing today to find the way to be successful at the end of the day today. And that really resonated with me and it ended up being very relevant this week. You may remember a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that we'd be moving the Coaching for Leaders a website to another server and uh, did that on Friday. And despite weeks of preparation and making sure all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed, it uh, crashed the podcast feed. And a whole lot of you, if not many of you, received multiple podcast episodes on the feed. Sorry about that, by the way. And anyway, it ended up being several hours of stress late Friday afternoon and into the evening. And it became apparent it was going to take some time to resolve. And the folks who were working on it were working hard, but it wasn't going to get fixed immediately. And it was about six o'clock Friday night. And I had stressed over it for, oh, several hours. And I was thinking about what Chris had said in this interview of defining what really matters and what I'm working on today that I can find success with. And I walked out of my office and 
Luke and Bonnie and Hannah and I went out in the neighborhood and played with the neighborhood kids and had a blast for about an hour and a half. And at the end of the day, I felt like I'd done something successfully. And I think a lot of us can relate to that in this community, that we're working on something big. And a lot of times we have things that we run into on a daily basis that we can't necessarily control and don't work the way we want them to. And yet, and yet we all have the ability, as I'm reminded of all the time, we all have the ability to choose our attitude. And so my question for all of us today and each day is how will you define success today? Regardless of what your colleagues do in the workplace today, regardless of what your manager does, regardless of what your employees do or your family members say, how will you feel successful at the end of today? What is it that if you do, what is it that if you work on that you will be able to go to bed tonight and say, I was able to achieve something today that I know was helping me to be successful? And if you answer that question, I'd love to hear the answer. Go join me and everyone else on the website for the conversation. And you can get there at coachingforleaders.com slash 149. If you have an answer to that question at the end of the day or any day, I'd love to hear your answer there. And of course, you can always submit comments, questions, or feedback for any future episodes at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That is the best way to do that. And speaking of which, Bonnie is going to be back next week for episode 150. We're also going to be sharing some of the information from the recent listener survey. And so you, uh, and we'll be doing a whole bunch more too, by the way, for episode 150. It'll be something a little bit different. So uh, don't miss it. Uh, it'll be next week. But in the meantime, I want to thank the folks who hopped on this week and joined the weekly update. And those folks this week are Andy Winkler, Jeff Planty, Scott Simons, Don Matteson, Amy Montgomery Wilson, Laura Lee Lettner, Alla Otis, Kevin Buckley, Shalin Edwards, Laura Kaliski, Mateen Mulligan, Stephen Bursagia, I hope I said that right, Stephen, Kunjal Gandhi, Jeremy Kane, Monique Davis, Mandeline Delphos, Andrew Elliott, Russell Green, Erica Washington, great to chat with you this week, Erica, Vicky Echelos, and Chris Say, or Chris C, whichever way it's pronounced, Chris, hope I got one of those right. Thank you so much to all of you for joining the weekly update this week. If you'd like to get my downloadable list on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including the two I rely on pretty much weekly, if not daily, actually, you can join the weekly update at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. You'll get the download for that right away, as well as my video overview with a summary of those books and why I think they'd be valuable for you to read. But here's the real thing I think you'd like is you'll get the notes from every podcast that I air on Wednesdays along with that, including this week's notes from Chris Hatfield and uh, the link for the TED Talk he did. Hey, if you want to see a good presentation, someone who knows how to really connect with an audience and to have a great opening and a great finish, 
check out that TED Talk. The link will be in this week's show notes. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. Also this week, a huge thank you to Danny, either Bowie or Boy. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Danny, but thanks for the kind review you left on Stitcher. I really appreciate that. And it really does help other folks to find the show, to build the community, and for all of us to continue to work hard to support each other. So if you are a listener on iTunes and have not yet left a written review for the show, I would be so grateful if you take a moment to do that. And same thing if you listen on Stitcher, I would love to have a written review from you about uh, what the show, what do you think of the show? And uh, and tell us uh, what you think, honestly. Uh, I'm always open to your feedback. Hey, have a great week. And next week, episode 150, some different things. And I look forward to talking to you then. Take care.